Good Bone Health makes active aging possible. Join us for inspiring conversations from diverse perspectives in osteoporosis, from patients, healthcare providers, caregivers, policymakers, researchers, advocates, and innovators. Protect your ability to live your best life. The information and opinions expressed in Bone Talk are not intended to replace the services of trained and qualified health professionals or to be a substitute for medical advice of physicians. You may review the National Osteoporosis Foundation's full medical disclaimer at nof.org. Hi everyone, I'm Barbara Hanna Grufferman, Bone Health Ambassador and Trustee of the National Osteoporosis Foundation. Welcome to another episode of Bone Talk. As a 62-year-old postmenopausal woman who fell while walking her dog around the block about when she turned 50, broke her arm, had her first bone density test, and found out she had low bone density, I am absolutely terrified of falling again and fracturing something else, and for good reason. Falls are the cause of most hip fractures, and hip fractures can be life-changing. And if you have osteoporosis or low bone density like I do, it's even more frightening because half of all women over 50 will break a bone due to osteoporosis and a fourth of all men. So for most of us who are older than 50, falling can be devastating. But guess what? One of the best ways to prevent the fracture is to prevent a fall. My guest today is going to tell us how to incorporate balance into our everyday lives so we don't fall. Carol Clements has more than 45 years of experience as a personal trainer and teacher of many movement arts and techniques and methods. She's a performer, a choreographer, holds a BS and an MA in dance therapy, and she works privately with clients in New York City. She's also the author of a terrific new book called Better Balance for Life, Banish the Fear of Falling with Simple Activities Added to Your Everyday Routine. That's what I want to hear. I first became aware of Carol's excellent book when reading Jane Brody's article in the New York Times in February called Falls Can Kill You. Here's how to minimize the risk where Jane encourages her readers to learn everything they can to not fall, and she cites Carol's book as a resource. Carol, thank you so much for joining us today on Bone Talk. Well, I'm pleased and honored to be here. Thank you. Okay, Carol, so let's get started. Now, first, I want to understand a little more about you and your motivation to write this wonderful new book about balance. Well, there was really a convergence of social, professional, and personal factors, it was coming at me from all angles because my generational friends were telling stories like yours and were more and more feeling the fears of losing their balance and falling. And even in the media, it was just the hot topic. So in the fitness industry, which is more the professional aspect of this convergence, balance apparatus is everywhere now. It's the training edge. In the gym, you'll see wobble boards and basu balls and athletes shooting hoops on, on a wobble board. So creating that unstable base is a very good way to recruit more strength and agility. 
And personally, truth be told, I've had my own struggles with balance as a dancer and in my yoga practice. So I've been investigating these tools and techniques for teaching and developing balance exercises. I had to get to the bottom of it. (laughs) Understood. And because you are a dancer, lifelong dancer, and practice yoga, your balance must be really far ahead of, of ours, I'm sure, because of all that you do on a daily basis. And it's so fascinating to me, and it's so important that we are now focusing so much on balance, because I've always said that the three pillars of overall health and well-being are cardio and strength training and balance. And I feel that with most people, they tend to focus more on the cardio, let's say they're runners, or they like to do the elliptical or, or, or the like, or soul cycle, and maybe, you know, with some strength training, hopefully, certainly the five osteoporosis. But I think balance is often just kind of left in the dust a bit. But this is so great to hear that you're seeing more and more professionals and facilities focusing on ways that we can balance. That is great. Now, at the National Osteoporosis Foundation, we know that a fall can lead to devastation for someone with low bone mass like me or osteoporosis, often resulting in a a fracture, a bone break. And each year, about one-third of all people over 65 will fall, many of them breaking that hip that I referenced. We can think about avoiding falls in many ways, like fall-proofing our home, getting rid of clutter, wearing safer footwear, being aware of possible side effects of medications that could make us dizzy. But balance is a critical companion concept in fall prevention, too. Talk to us a little bit about what is balance. Well, helping us stand balanced is your brain, the cerebellum controls motor coordination, your nervous system, vision, muscles, bones, the inner ear, vestibular system, and other body-oriented reflexes referred to as the proprioceptive system. So all these systems need to be stimulated. You need to turn your balance systems on. Balance is a skill. It gets better with practice and it deteriorates without it. So how do you practice balancing? As you said, when do you feel unsteady? When do you feel like you want to hold on to something to feel safe? And that's where we want to look at how to minimize the risk of falling because balance is weight transference. You can think of it as, say, a door opens in your face and you have to step backward. How are you going to step in this unexpected and less usual backward direction and transfer your center of gravity calmly right yourself to a stable position. You have to practice that. You might have to step sideways to avoid an unexpected obstacle. So balance is having that equilibrium, the agility and the strength to support this need to regain your center. Mm -hmm. And in your book, you talk specifically about what you call the five principles of a body in balance as a framework for thinking about balance, right? Will you talk about the five principles as the framework for making that connection within the body that prepares a person for balance practice? Really, postural alignment is what these five principles 
show how you can connect in your body to do the 10-week plan that is in the book. The first one is the head-neck relationship. So the cue word for that is the head floats like a helium balloon. Mm -hmm. I love you that. want the head at the back to float back and up. And then just imagine that your spine is the string hanging from that helium balloon. Because forward head from staring at a computer or a television screen or driving has taken our head-neck relationship out of alignment. Mm -hmm. So that's the first one. We'll go from the top to the bottom. The second one is the arms belong to the back. So sometimes your arms get, they seem like they're belonging to your chest or your mm -hmm. neck. Mm -hmm. I found that too, by the way, this principle, mm -hmm. number two, the arms are connected to your back, the most astounding one when I was reading your book. Continue. Well, I'm so glad it mm -hmm. raised your consciousness about anchoring your shoulder blades down your back because the rounding of the upper back tightens chest muscles in the front. There's a lot in the book of stretching the chest and getting the muscles that do bring the arms into the back, into the armpit socket activated. The third one is abdominal muscles connect the upper body to the lower body because a lot of people think, okay, it's my back that is going to keep my upper body and my lower body together. But I'm suggesting that for this optimal alignment and balance, that you sense your unified wholeness in the front through the abdomen. The fourth one is the secret of youth is a long front body. That's one of my favorites. If you think of an elderly person who's bent over at the hip, their body is shortened in the front. And by the way, if, probably if that person is bent over and is curved, probably there's osteoporosis at play too. Yes. Mm -hmm. There are challenges to getting that long front body. Really think of your lifetime of sitting on your derriere. You've deadened the nerves and muscles of your buttocks. Mm -hmm. And even when you stand up, they may not be activated. So to get those buttocks muscles turned on so they can do the work at the hip, to extend the hip, to keep the body long in the front is a primary aim of my work with elderly people because the buttocks is deactivated. The fifth thing is about the feet because your feet need to articulate. Foot mobility is a base for balancing as well as walking, of course. And you need that dexterity in your feet to have power. There's 26 bones in the feet, and there's a lot of relaxed micro movements of the foot that are important to standing and balancing. And you do talk a lot about the importance of the feet finding balance in our lives. I would love for you to talk a little bit more about some of the exercises that you talk about simple things that we can do in our own homes. And by the way, I just want to point out to you that you're specifically those five principles that you just covered. I found that I'm not only incorporating those into my life now for better balance, which is your goal, but I'm also thinking about in terms of my running. I'm a runner, and mm -hmm. I find that how I move my body when I'm running 
is related to the principles that you just covered. And it's been very, very helpful to me as a runner. The wow. improvement in some of the ways that I'm holding my body and my form. And I'm much more conscious now since reading your book. So thank you for that. But let's get back to the feet. Also very important to a runner. <laughs> well, yes. So really while you're watching TV, you can do something that I call mind to foot control. There's just as many neuromuscular pathways from your brain to your feet as there is from your brain to your hands. So think of all the things you can do with your hands. You really have that potential with your feet to a certain extent. Of course, the anatomy is slightly different. But finding those pathways. So even while you're sitting watching TV, wiggling one toe at a time Mm -hmm. is affirming those pathways because we've lost touch. It's very difficult for a lot of people to move a toe or to fan the toes apart or to flex and extend it at the most distal joint of your foot. So these kinds of exercises are great for creating more mobility in the feet. There's also a great one called towel crumpling. Mm-hmm. And you can tell just, us about that. I love that. Right. Well, you need a surface that you know, a sl- more slick surface carpet won't work very well. But again, while you're having a conversation, you can be sitting and have preferably a thinner towel, like a dish towel, and you crumple the towel with your toes, moving the towel, say, from the outside of your right foot to toward your left foot. So you're crumpling the towel toward your midline. Mm -hmm. And this is just more opportunity for the foot to articulate, to have more of that dexterity I'm talking about that is part of balancing. So much of what you talk about and explain in your book is really so simple. Things that we can do every day, incorporate into our lives, because I know people can get overwhelmed thinking, oh no, another set of things I must do. But as you just pointed out, you could be on the phone, you could be watching TV at your computer and do a lot of the things that you're talking about. So we all love that. As we get older and see others in our lives, our loved ones, getting older too, we start to really understand how crucial our our balance is to our overall health and well-being. And for all the reasons that we've been talking about, we certainly don't want to fall. However, we may also have a fear of falling. I know I have a fear of falling now because I did fall. And also because my balance isn't what it used to be. And that's true of most people over 50. So there's a fine line between wanting to enhance and practice balance, as you've been suggesting, and the fear of falling. And I know you talk about this a lot because it's real. It's a real fear. So what can we do to alleviate this very common fear of falling? Well, it's true that a diagnosis like osteoporosis can cause more fear and more limiting of activity. So you really have to find, how am I going to turn my balance system on and practice balancing and be safe? So you, of course, have to be practical and careful. I'm trying to find the environment that is the home. That's why these 
built into daily life routine activities are used because you're in your home and you're familiar with the surfaces and the the environment. Oddly, the goal of practicing balance is to lose your balance, is to be in that unstable situation with the safety of a fixture to steady yourself and to keep practicing. You know, I love but research studies and there's so many for the scary statistics that you spoke of in the beginning and also for collecting data for predictors of falling mm -hmm. like gait disorders, visual impairment, body mechanic dysfunction, and the fear of falling is a big predictor and increases the risk of falls. That's so, counterintuitive, but wow, that really I know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I really got into the studies, and there's a lot about balance having to do with patients who have suffered a stroke because of rehabilitation and physical therapy to improve balance there. But I really wanted, what are the predictors for not falling? There was one study that was, you know, risk estimation based on functional performance tests. For instance, there was a group that could do what's called a chair stand. That's the ability to rise from a chair without assistance from your arms. There were other tests to quantify areas of mobility. I won't go into all that. But what was so interesting is that subjects who did perform the chair stand successfully after the term of the study, I think it was three years, they had the least incident of falls. So it was statistically significant mm -hmm. that exactly. lower body strength is key. And so that influenced me a lot. I actually even changed some of, was limited for packaging reasons to this 10-week plan. So I had to eliminate some of the delving into balance and really focus on building lower body strength. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting about that is there's more good news there was a very good study that proved that this kind of exercise intervention is an effective way to decrease the fear of falling. And since the fear of falling is a risk factor because you people start to limit their activity and then they get weaker and it's kind of a vicious cycle that yeah. they're having less balanced practice because they're less active and they're limiting their lifestyle. This kind of intervention, especially the lower body strength, is proven now to decrease falls and to decrease the fear of falling is what I'm focusing on. So even if you have fallen already, like I have, I, I've actually fallen twice. One, there was a break. The second time there was not. The best way for me to beat this fear is to get back in the saddle. <laughs> Just keep on yes, doing with, all of these with, like don't be afraid. Proceed with caution. Proceed with caution. Right. I mean, you, you have mentioned some of these things like putting yourself in situations as part of the practice to actually possibly fall. But of course, you want to, as your book indicates several times throughout, that you want to make sure that you're in a safe surrounding and can 
grab onto something if need be. But so this kind of practice is absolutely essential. I was not sure when I first saw the subtitle of your book, The Fear of Falling, and that somehow you were going to convince me that uh, there are ways to beat it. But I am convinced now. And this is amazing. It's amazing. Really, really wonderful. And a few times you've mentioned your 10-week program. So I do want to talk about that because one of the best things about your incredibly user-friendly book, and it really is with you know drawings and everything else, you're never really confused about what you need to do, is that you created a 10-week step-by-step program that really everybody can follow, most ages. So what are some of the most simple activities you can share with us now that can help build strength and increase flexibility and then in turn improve our balance so that our risk of falling is decreased? And by the way, you see and I see, and of course the listeners will hear how intertwined balance is with strength and strength training. I mean, they're inseparable. And I just want to point that out to everybody, especially with the lower body, as you just said, with that great study. So tell us about the 10-week program, Carol. Well, it starts with range of motion and awareness. But what I'm building toward through the 10 weeks is cueing yourself just in your daily life to build in this balance practice. So the sit-to-stand squat is using every opportunity you have every many times a day. We come from sitting to standing, and that's an opportunity to get those buttocks activated and use butt power to stand up. You're going to move the chair back and place your feet, contract the gluteal muscle first, that's your buttocks, before you even think of rising from the chair and then pitch forward and use the buttocks to bring the pelvis on top of the legs. The thighs are probably gonna kick in anyway, but a lot of people start to heft up with their back and Mm -hmm. strain the knees to straighten the legs. So we're trying to get that action at the hip. You can use your arms lightly on your thighs at first until you feel more confident. But the key here is to use every time you come to standing to use your buttocks muscles to Mm -hmm. squat up. Mm -hmm. Another thing, we've talked a lot about this lower body strength, but agility is very important too. And even in that study, there was a group, and of course, the the people who performed well on the agility assessment also were less likely to fall during the next, not as much as the lower body strength, but I think it was their measurement of agility. It was just how quickly you could walk around a chair. And I don't know if that was enough to make that group stand out. In any case, agility is very important. I mentioned how you have to step sideways or backwards, and we're not accustomed to that. Even in your wonderful running, and of course, walking is a great exercise, but you're not stepping sideways or backwards. And I would recommend that in the park or something. So it's funny, Carol, because uh, actually walking sideways, especially with one of those bands, an exercise band around Mm -hmm. your two ankles and then is a very important exercise for runners and doing it sideways. Mm -hmm. It really helps build the muscles and strength train the, you know, the bones and the whole lower body and very helpful exercise for runners and 
every once in a while I'll see a runner in Central Park where it's safer than, you know, in the city streets, running backwards just a little bit, like they'll be running forward, then they'll run backward, just as part of their own training. I don't do that because, as I mentioned many times, I have a fear of falling. (laughs) Well, so I'm what certainly... you would do, <laughs> but now, to... now that I've read your book, Carol, and talked with you, well, who knows? I might start running backwards a little bit. <laughs> well, I would first walk backwards just in a hallway, mm-hmm. clear a pathway in your home, and and make sure that you could touch the sides of the wall if you needed to, and count the steps so you know how far to go, because you're going to be transferring your weight in the less familiar stepping backward walk. That's reversing your foot action. Instead of heel, ball, toe, push off, you're going toe, ball, heel. Right. And you're not having the same vision orientation. Even though your eyes are open walking backwards, you're not looking ahead. And that's one of the things that affects balance is vision. So at first, you're going to feel like I might lose my balance walking backwards. But I promise you, if you drop your weight, you'll be surprised how much more coordinated and confident you'll start to feel just, just after a few times. So walking backwards in a hallway is one of the activities. And the cue for that is seeing, you know, walking down your hallway, whether it goes to the bathroom or your bedroom, and walking backwards down mm-hmm. it. And Give us ter- one more, Carol. Okay. I guess, you know, there's so many with uh, slow motion and neurological balance exercises, but tightrope walking. Mm-hmm. That, I love um, that one. You can use that same hallway that cues you to practice tightrope walking. And you're gonna, you could use the floorboards or removable tape. Put down the removable tape. That'll remind you. And then it's as if you're walking on an imaginary tightrope. Now, it's okay if you fall off the tape or the floorboard. You're just going to step to the side or step to the front. But your balance system is working to right you, and it will improve, and you'll adduct your legs. That means, say, your right shin goes to the left and your left shin goes to the right because on that tightrope, you're on a very narrow base. So that builds strength, too. I have to ask you, when when someone is doing that, is it best to look ahead or look down, or it doesn't matter? Well, since you're trying to walk on that removable tape or something, you would glance down just to see and also glance up because you want that visual cue. But since you're in your home and you know the hallway is clear and you know how far it is to the end of the hallway, you don't need to be as vigilant in glancing ahead. When you're outside, it's very important to be mm-hmm. have a field to look ahead as well as to notice uneven pavement, etc. But in mm-hmm. this particular I know exercise, I do that when I'm running. I look ahead, mm-hmm. of course, but I'm also pretty constantly looking down as well to make sure I'm not uh, heading into any crack or twig or something that could cause me to fall. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and something that popped into my head when you were talking about all of this just now and looking ahead or looking down. And for me, one of the best things to help with my balance, I discovered, was when I started to paddleboard. And so when I get up on a paddleboard, which is all about balance, mm-hmm. uh, the instructor, my very first time up 
on a paddleboard. The instructor said to me, don't ever look down. If you look down, you're going to lose your way and you're going to fall into that water. And sure enough, I looked up the entire time. I never looked down and I never once fell which is incredible. But that's, that's uh, for anyone right. who's up for paddle boarding, I found that to be a really terrific exercise for, uh, well, for well, balance. What a great unstable base to practice mm-hmm. balancing. And if you did fall, you would just fall in the oh, water. Oh, yeah. Especially <laughs> if you're in the Caribbean. Hey, nothing wrong That'd with that. fun. <laughs> Carol, tell us top three things that our listeners and I should take away from this conversation so that they too can build better balance for life. I think, well, activity is key. Finding enjoyable activities that will improve balance. And you just mentioned stand-up paddleboarding. There's so many things you could do. Dance. Dance is wonderful because you move in all different directions and you turn and you pivot. And and these are practicing uh, transferring of weight that I was talking about, finding your center of gravity, even billiards, joining a marching band, bird watching, anything that's enjoyable. Just don't give up. Keep trying. Tai Chi is wonderful. There's a lot of studies about Tai Chi and how Mm -hmm. it improves balance. That's really the top thing to take away is to find ways to be active. Oh, thank you. I'm all about being more active. Absolutely. And as long as we're not afraid to fall, I think that we can all be even more active as we get older. And I so appreciate your joining me today on this episode of Bone Talk and sharing your knowledge and some of your most fabulous practical tips to have better balance. Carol, thank you so much. Thank you. We'll have links to NOF resources as well as to Carol's terrific book. Again, it's called Better Balance for Life. Banish the fear of falling with simple activities added to your everyday routine at www.nof.org. You can also find her book on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and Indie Books. Everyone, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Bone Talk as much as I enjoyed talking with our wonderful guest, Carol Clements. We heard Carol's story and her passion for helping us live our best lives by improving our balance. But we want to hear your stories too. Please visit www.nof.org and go to share your story and tell us what's happening in your world because the more we stay connected, the stronger we will be. For more information about how to keep your bones strong and healthy for life, visit nof.org regularly for up-to-the-minute information. And lastly, did you enjoy this episode, possibly learn something new and helpful? If so, please do two things. One, subscribe to Bone Talk so you never miss an episode. And two, share this with all your friends and family. Until next time, remember this, we can't control getting older, but we can control how we do it. Thank you and bye for now. Thank you for joining Bone Talk, the National Osteoporosis Foundation's podcast that shares information, strategies, and inspiration about good bone health that makes active aging possible. To learn more about bone health, to become involved and or help fuel NOF's mission with financial support, visit nof.org.